All right. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast at Ground Zero, your home for the apocalypse for episode 73, off topic number one. I am the apocalypse nerd, and he is Adam Bomb Glancy. So, um, what we're going to be doing tonight, folks, is as you can see, it's called off topic. It's not that we're not talking about the apocalypse, it's just that we talked about this idea about. You know how we like to talk about things and rant before the main subject matter of a show? Well, you know, that's what this show is going to be. Like, we're, we're trying to, like, you know, get it in now so we don't have to, like, go, like, talk for 45 minutes and then talk about the movie. So, you, really, you really think this is going to work, that we're going to get all of our ranting out now? And it's, then it's, to... it's an experiment. It's, like, it might be a way to get some of it, it – to get some of it off, and I called it number one because – We'll probably do subsequent ones, and you know, I'll call them two and three because you know, when it goes into iTunes and stuff, you know, it's got to be able to uh, be uh, different and identifiable. You know, so it's like number one, number two. So this is just going to be a show about uh, just talking about stuff instead of. Um, we'll get know, to the apocalypse. Don't worry. There's apocalyptic things that will be talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. That it's just going to be it's the apocalyptic stuff that we normally talk about before the show. So, um, so do we do an in the news about the in the news that we're doing? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, let's let's. Uh, we I say we just leap into the stuff. First things we've got to share with everybody. All right. First thing I'm going to tell people is I posted a reminder, and I also extended the contest. Um, we don't. We only have. Uh, you don't have that many entries for the coloring contest. Uh, that's why I extend. That's why as a four, yeah. So that's why I extended it for a week to get some more in, and I did get some more um, because uh, you know we want you know if it was one entry, it's like that's not a contest. So I at least wanted to get some more people to do it. Um, and you have until Friday uh, at twelve p.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time. So Friday is the twelfth. So if you haven't done it yet do it you know uh, i got a couple of posts on the blog about it you know the blog is podcast at ground zero.com so go to the blog you will see all the information about it so uh we've got we've got this, uh like i said a few entries uh each one totally each one has a different style which is cool which is what we were looking for because again we had oh, no, yeah. no two the same it's really nice that yeah that so far everyone's been really original yeah, so that's what we wanted. We didn't want to say, oh, you have to do it like this or that. And again, there's going to be no parameter on, you know, oh, well, they did it like this. We're not going to. It's whatever me and Scott agree on that we like the best. Uh, so it doesn't matter what style it is. It's just, you know, what we're going to like. So we got a few entries. Um, and as we know, it is going to be for the copy of, um, you know, uh, the survivalist, you know, uh, Jerry um, Ahern. So, and uh, I have um, what was this? Uh, oh, it doesn't. It doesn't. This doesn't flip me. Okay. Um, when I was at the used bookstore a couple weeks ago, I got some. Like, I'm gonna come up with some more stuff for some other contests, and I got, I got some more stuff oh. lined up for more books. Oh yeah. Um, I see the I see the Guardians in there. What else you got? Yep, I got a copy of the Guardians uh, number one. Uh, I also have a copy of um, Andre Norton's Starman Son, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, uh, the first contest was for uh, No Night Without Stars. Um, 
Andre Norton's uh, post-apocalyptic stuff is really good. So I've got a copy of uh, Starman's Son. Uh, I also got a copy of, actually, it's a better copy than the one I have. And the one I got, I got like, you know, 30 years ago. Um, I got you a copy of this book. I know you weren't that big of a fan of it, but I saw it there, so I had to pick it up. The Steel, oh, the Mist, and the Blazing Sun by Christopher, oh, yeah. by Christopher Anvil. It's a very strange book, sir. It's a very strange book. It is, but you know what? I'll bet you a lot of our fans never even heard of this. No, no, no. So that's why I was like, you know what? This this will be cool to put in there, and then a copy of because I have an extra. I have an extra one now, and I'll explain that of um, the Outrider by Richard Harding. It was one of these '80s, uh, you know. Men's adventure post-apocalyptic series, you know, like the Outrider and the Traveler and um, and you know, um, End World and, and all that stuff. Survivalist, yeah, um, exactly. Also, I got a bunch of stuff lined up for future contests. Just got to come up with something, you know. So, um, which we will Can you come up with a contest. Yeah, a contest. We'll have to, you know, we'll have to do something. I don't know. I kind of like the idea of the coloring contest. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought we'd get more of a response, but, uh, uh, you know. We're, we're going to have to maybe, um, whoever can bring us the most gasoline. Perhaps that is the, the contest we're looking for. I don't know. Something. Because um, I had somebody post about, um, I keep getting a lot of posts by one of our new one of our newer fans, uh, Dr. Scott A. Joseph. Mm -hmm. Um been posting on the blog, and I haven't gotten back to you yet on there. So uh, sorry, sorry, Scott. Um, but you know, like if you've heard these shows, you know I get around to stuff eventually. I'm just a little slow on stuff. But um, he posted that he didn't enter the contest because he doesn't color, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. You, I have to, there'll be there'll be other contests, so don't worry. You know, We're no, it's a safe space. You know, we we don't judge you whether you color or not. We really don't. No, not at all. <laughs> um so oh and also i wanted to answer uh dr joseph's question uh because again i wasn't responding to him uh he started listening to shows recently so he was going back to some of the older stuff and probably four or five years ago when i was putting out a call and ranting about on the eighth day about how i can't get a hold of it and he's like did you find it just google it it's there now and yes that is true because of me uh, because what, because what happened was because of me asking about it and doing some research, I found that there were several libraries, college libraries throughout the country, only like three or four had copies of this in their libraries. None of them were close to me at all, but there was one in Hawaii and one of the followers of our show lived in Hawaii and he went to the college library and checked it out and ripped a copy and he posted it on his YouTube channel because he um, he does postapocalyptic.com. So uh, he does you know he just kind of gathers uh, postapocalyptic. He's kind of like a an apocalyptic news feed type of place, you know, uh, posts you know to blogs and stuff. So he posted it on the on his YouTube channel. So it's been out there for four or five years now. So it's easy to find now. But at the time when I was looking for it, it didn't exist digitally <laughs> until I put the call out. So you can thank me for it. So, <laughs> Well, 
clear, clearly you are one of the you are the impetus for bringing this into the digital world. Yes. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, 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 let me let, let me let me uh yeah. There you go. Make, get get some cap build up some more calluses on your back there from patting yourself. That's good. <laughs> hey, I only I only speak the truth, sir. All right. So what's what's next on the agenda? Oh, I got lots of stuff to to show some people and talk about, but uh, let me what what, what do you what do you got the you got some stuff to talk about? Well, I I don't have too terribly much. Um, the one thing that I've been interested, I've been running up against uh, lately in some of my research online, uh, has been the real news story, the real world news stories that I keep coming across about uh, the new sort of apocalypse preparedness that's happening at a much more advanced economic level than the sort of a preparedness that we saw during our lifetimes, during the, the Cold War. There, I mean, there are some ridiculously high-end bunkers out there that have been built by private citizens, you know. Um, there's that one in Vegas that has the crazy interior and the crazy underground exterior that's been painted on all the walls and there's things like that, but um, mostly uh, it hasn't been that huge, you know. Um, and uh, what I've been running across recently is that there is a real push amongst uh, sort of the uh, tech industry money out there in uh, California. Uh, and one of the big guys in that is Peter Thiel, who I guess was um, – one of the early people who have investors in Facebook, uh, I think he may have had something else to do with, um, uh, like Elon Musk, he may have had something to do with PayPal. But um, uh, it started off with seasteading, this idea that you're going to build a, a raft of rich people who are going to float out beyond the 50-mile limit and governments can't touch you. And when everything falls apart on the mainland, they'll just drift around and and have their society out in the ocean uh, until somebody, you know, realized that these islands are an invitation to be wiped out by a typhoon or be invaded by, you know, Filipino pirates and burned to the ground. Um, and so the new plan is uh, New Zealand. And both seasteading and New Zealand were all about creating lifeboats, essentially, for the very wealthy. Someplace they can go and sit out what they anticipate to be an economic and ecological apocalypse that the uh, you know that the threat they 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 think the threat of global warming is real that it's produced by the uh, economy we currently have the uh, the kind of uh, uh, market driven economy and 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 capitalism we currently have and that uh, the very very thing that made them rich is eventually going to cause some sort of massive die off. Rather than stop doing that, the plan is to go move someplace where the flood waters won't cover them. And apparently, New Zealand is the place that everyone is laying their bets. So, uh, the, instead of making plans to stop what they're doing, to stop the occurrence, it's just like, well, we're not going to. We're not going to stop making money. I mean, that's crazy talk. That's that sounds like communism. Oh, right? that's yeah, it's we're totally communism. Bet. So we're just going to keep the engine of the economy running. Free market. Yeah, I don't know. We're going to keep the engine of the economy uh, just open, uh, full blast, until it sinks. And uh, we'll just get out of the way on our lifeboat while everyone else goes down with the ship. Um, 
uh, and seasteading and fantasies about building colonies on Mars were certainly part of that for guys like Musk and um, Thiel. But the, the most practical thing is to move to New Zealand. And Thiel actually went and bought his way into a, uh, apparently has bought his way into a New Zealand citizenship so he can buy land in New Zealand because there were all these restrictions about what land, how, how to buy land in New Zealand unless you're a citizen. So he bought himself a dual citizenship. He's purchased some land out there. And uh, the plan was to sort of build some ark out there. And, uh, you know, I'd heard these stories going around about, uh, uh, you know, these sort of millionaires thinking about, you know, oh, we're going to buy a, um, a silo. Some of these fashionable apocalypses where people will sell condo silos to rich people um, to, to, to set out the apocalypse. And it's just... It's just this really weird thing that's been I've been hearing a lot about recently. Um, well, maybe the, maybe the guy in Odessa who has the the Titan One, maybe now he can find a buyer for it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I've actually seen some stuff online where people showed off similar ones. Now, what was the silo you went and visited in Arizona? It wasn't was it a Titan? Yeah, it was a it was a Titan. It was a Titan uh, Two Missile Museum. Okay, but it was a it was a single. It was a single launch and a single uh, bunker, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The Titan, yeah, the Titan ones had the multiple mm -hmm. uh, silos. The Titan twos were just one, typically just one. Yeah, if I remember um, correctly. I've definitely seen Titan one silos that have been reconditioned in an attempt to be sold as sort of these apocalypse condos. Um, the fascinating thing to me was that the people who are trying to build these, they understand that you know. They have money, but they may not necessarily have the skills to maintain the facility uh, that they're buying, either mechanically or security-wise. And uh, so some of these articles I was reading online, it has actually become a topic of discussion amongst the people who are investing in these sort of, you know, getaway places. Um, they're actually discussing, well, how do I keep my maintenance and security staff loyal after the bomb drops. I mean, what do they need me for after not the bomb, but the ecological bomb, the economic bomb, you know, they're not afraid of the Russians nuking us. They're afraid of the hoi polloi citizens coming and taking their shit because they're all out of money and they're all out of food. And, you know, uh, they'd like some clean drinking water. They've actually gotten to the point where they're like, okay, how do I keep my, my security and my maintenance force loyal to me? They've actually considered that. And I always thought, you know, uh, what you're going to see is those guys getting pitched over the wall of the of the redoubt and the maintenance and security guys and their families just living in the rich guy's bunker because what do they need him for? So unbelievably, uh, at these sort of like, you know, uh, sit downs where guy, uh, guys are pitching ideas to each other, they're actually actually pitching things like, um, you know, biometric uh, locks on the food supply. So only the owner can open the food or uh, I'm like, great. They keep you chained to a law, a wall and they push your hand against the biometric lock genius. You're not going to be able to force them to do your will that way. And it's like, what about shock collars? They're actually considering, in the, you know, perhaps if I attached uh, shock collars to my security troops next, Oh yeah, that's totally going to go your way, dude. I mean, there's, there's no way they're going to cut your throat in the middle of the night if you've got shock collars on them. But it's yeah, even the biometrics is like they can remove your hand, 
and then get the you know get the stuff unlocked and then get into the system and change it so yeah that's yeah uh it, it, it's like all i can think is like dudes i know you think there's going to be a new middle ages and you're going to be the new warlord but the same thing you seem to be forgetting about the middle ages is it wasn't just run by rich people it was run by rich people who killed for a living every king every baron every duke every count at some level had to be a killer had to be a war leader that was good enough at his job that other killers would go yeah i'd totally follow this guy you know yeah he he brings victory he's the guy who makes sure that we come with more of our guys and more of other people's stuff and that's just not who's investing in these places. I mean, it's not because they're, they're because they're greedy and self-centered. They're only thinking about themselves. So it's like, well, unless I'm getting a paycheck, why am I being loyal to you? I'm just yeah. gonna, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna throw you out of the bunker and take your stuff. But then, but that, but then the long-term problem is that is like, well, why is your family more important? Then it's it's just, that's gonna erupt into civil war, and then next thing you know, the silo is gonna be a smoking husk. Yeah, I think we've seen this story before where everyone starts fighting over who's in charge of the silo, as it were. Huh. Um, no, never. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I, 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 but it's really strange to see this stuff actually turning up in the news. And, and I'm hoping, for the most part, that this is just a way for rich people to waste their money um, to a certain extent. Um, well, and, I, and that's the problem, too. If they have that much money to spend yeah. that, that, and that, and that to them is a... Again, not, it's, it shows a separate, you know, it's, well, anyway, that's. They're not going to miss a meal and they're not going to miss a third yacht to, to, to invest in something like this. The, the money level that's involved is sort of ridiculous. Yeah, which again shows the separation, you know, if we want to get into an economic class war in this discussion, that's, that's what's really showing the gap. Yeah. Yeah. Right there between us, me and you and these people, you know. Yeah. But, um. Anyways, uh, it's worth a look online if you Google some of these articles about sort of the tech, the tech bro apocalypse planning. Um, it's it's fascinating and uh, it it it's interesting because they seem to have some fears about things breaking down, but they're they're not afraid of the Russians are coming. They're not afraid of that stuff. They're just they're just kind of afraid of their fellow Americans. Yeah, it's, they're they're afraid of people like you and me wanting to string them up and take their stuff. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Anyways, that's that's the one little bit of apocalypse news that has been buzzing around in my head. It's not enough to make a whole show out of, but I did. So as we're doing random topics or off topic, let's. I yeah, no, th th that's why we're doing this. Just to talk about all these little, little things uh, here and there. Now, um, did we announce on the show that the Gamma World First Edition was available through Drive Through, or did we just put it up on the site? Oh, I just put it up on the site because I just became aware of it. Yesterday, then on to you, Mr. Wallace. Tell us about Gamma World. Oh, well, it seems like that um, Watsi, a subsidiary of Hasbro, um, well, they've been kind of releasing a lot of their early gaming materials uh, on drive through, uh, drive through RPG uh, the last couple years, right? Uh, definitely the last few years. It was mainly. Um, just Dungeons and Dragons at first, you know, they've been releasing it as PDF um, and some of it's been print on demand. So, but they've been getting into some of their other uh, more obscure or less known or not as popular licenses. Like um, I think this year they did star frontiers. They'd uh, they've done boot Hill. 
they've had a couple of Gamma World things out there. Um, like they recently did a couple of, uh, I don't know, about a month ago, month and a half ago. They did fourth edition, which was, you know, the core book. And I saw somebody posted some uh, pictures of the print on demand compared to the original. And the print on demand is a lot thicker because they're printing it on thicker paper, you know. But, you know, it's all there, you know, if you want the material. And you could buy it just as the as the print on demand or you could buy the uh, just the PDF if you want. So um, they've done uh, Gamma World. Uh, they did first edition. They've done the uh, – I'm surprised they've done any Gamma World. Like they did the recent version, mm-hmm. uh, you know, seventh edition, uh, the – fourth edition D D one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they did uh the those books and the cards, which was uh, through drive through cards, I think you could get those printed out. But I was surprised that they did the Gamma World. So it seems like they're on a trend of just releasing all their old uh, catalog because they know it's just sitting there not making any money and now they realize, oh hey, maybe we just release this with no cost to us except for time investment. Let's just get this stuff out there, which is kind of smart on their point. Um but, uh, but yeah, first edition Gamma World is now out there. Um, I did get the PDF uh, because people said it was a nice scan, like uh, a, a good quality scan, because I have, you know, unofficial scans already, and normally the, the quality is pretty poor. Um, so it's actually available from the seller, you know, that's when I stop pirating. Once I can actually get it from the, from the actual source and it's a good quality scan – that's that's the time to go ahead and buy it. Yeah, I'll I won't I won't find it. Uh, you know I won't pirate it if you make it available to me. Uh, I'll pay you the money for it as long as it's a good quality. Um, the only thing that it, it did, the only problem it had was uh, the layout structure was uh, pretty was uh, it did a bad job on it. And somebody said I need to I should complain to them. maybe they'll they'll fix it. Um, mm-hmm. I could fix it myself, but I shouldn't have to do that. Basically, the PDF comes with. The top and bottom of the box scanned, mm-hmm. which is, and mind you, all this is in the same PDF. They didn't oh. separate. They didn't separate the PDFs. Oh wow! Uh oh. So, but that's the first and second page. Okay. Then you have the book. Then it goes into the book cover. You know, book cover inside. You know, it starts going down. But then once you hit page six of the PDF, boom! Here's the map in the middle of the PDF. And then the seventh page is the back cover of the rule book. And then page eight picks up with like the fourth page. And then it's, it's, it's correct from there. But like page six and seven, they dropped in the middle, a map in the back. So it's not structured correctly. Oh, wow. That's weird. Yeah. So if they would have started with, you know, the front cover and then the back cover, then the map, then the box covers at the end, that's acceptable because it's like, okay, then it's separated. But it's like dropped in the middle in the beginning. It's kind of janky, you know. Mm. But it is available, you know. So I got that and I got the POD coming because I wanted to see what that um, what that looks like, you know, because I figured what the hell. You know, it's good to have a nice reading copy. They, they can't possibly be printing the box. No, it's just it's just the book. Okay, okay. Just the book. Um, maybe, maybe with the color cover? I'll find out. Okay. Yeah, well, I was very I'll, glad. I was very glad to see that offered. I'll be I'll be picking up a copy myself just because um, I prefer to have most things on PDF these days. Um, simply because I can carry my whole gaming library with me, and I you know don't. I mean I'm I'm thrilled with my library, 
Uh, and that's only part of it. I mean, the Gamma World stuff's over on those shelves. But at the same time, it's really convenient to be able to just carry it digitally. Oh, yeah, yeah, modern, modern technology, you know, it's good. And hopefully they'll print some of the other stuff. You know, I'm sure they'll do second edition and, you know, you know, I would just wish they would do, because they're not, because there's not enough demand. They're not going to do real reprints of the stuff. No, like, no, not a print run. Yeah, I just, I just wish that um, somebody would be able to come along with enough money to buy the license from them and Liber uh, liberate it. Yeah, but it's not going to happen, especially now that they're selling it and making money. They're definitely not going to get rid of it. Um, oh, yeah. Agreed. I, I've had long conversations about with this type of stuff with uh, Stephen Lee. Mm -hmm. You know, our friend Stephen Lee from uh, who works with James Ward to do 77 Lost War Worlds, uh, the post-apocalyptic RPG plus Dragon Scales, his fantasy um, uh, game. And um, yeah, it's like they've, they've sold off a lot of the... They have started to get... They sold out... Well, as you know, they sold off the original uh, uh, top secret to the original creator that he got yeah. his he got his license back, you know, yeah, and, and and printed it. But you know, it's not going to happen to the rest of that because now that they have it on Drive Through RPG, they're making money on PDFs, which is easy for them because they just had to have somebody scan it. So they they made an investment in time, but it wasn't like a huge investment, you know, comparatively. So yeah. they'll never get rid of they'll never give rid of the license now because even though it's completely dead. Especially since seventh edition came out eight years ago, they produced stuff. They had a plan to produce a couple of things, so they had maybe three to four, three to five months worth of stuff, and then they just dropped it. That was it. Yeah. It's like, but nostalgia sells well to nerds. I mean, that's just you know when you uh, see stuff that's uh, old games, old books, old comic books, stuff that was uh, you know in your collection, and you can now pick it up again after it's been lost for years. You know. Um, that sells really well. Um, I was, uh, well, I'll leave that alone. I, I was going down a rabbit hole of, of toy nostalgia recently yeah. because um, I, was in, I was in Victoria, uh, B.C., and there's this weird street, uh, this weird uh, little section of Victoria where there are, like, it's like Nerd Central. There's a toy museum. Uh, which is actually the so-called official Canadian Toy Museum. Um, there's a, there was a games workshop, miniatures and paint store. There was a big boxed game store. There were like two comic stores, all within one block of this one intersection in Victoria. And getting into that game store, uh, I ran across things that I'm like, oh, my God, you know, all this stuff that I owned as a kid. And it, it definitely calls to you. It calls to you. Oh yeah, well the um, the nostalgia train of in recent years has been pretty hard for a lot of people because look at all this stuff with you know retro gaming, you know uh, retro clones and reissuing stuff and like we'll look at um, Steve Jackson did a Kickstarter for the Fantasy Trip, yeah, for a new edition because he got the rights back and that thing. Um, was tremendous uh, on the amount of uh, backers it had and the money and the stuff they're producing because, you know, people want old school gaming because like old school gaming is become a thing, you know, especially for people who haven't played it in years or, you know, people are, you know, on the game, on the game train, you know, now and, you know, like, Oh, old school, old school is great. You know? So 
you know, nostalgia sells. I mean, look at all the stuff at like toy stores with our targets and Walmarts with all these uh, mini, mini arcade games. You know, that's like a huge yeah. thing, huge thing. You know, everything's like the, the teens of uh, the not teen people, but the teens, you know, the night 2010 to 2000, you know, mm -hmm. has, has been a decade of um, retro, I think. There's a fair amount of that. I mean, <laughs> maybe much like the Peter Thiels of the world, we're not looking towards a great future, but the past looks great. So we should go, we should uh, embrace the things that we loved once upon a time. Um, that certainly could be part of it. But um, uh, as far as apocalyptic, uh, I haven't got too much apocalyptic um, uh, immediate off topics. Um, I'm trying to think of something that, uh, uh, I mean, the close thing I have to anything apocalyptic was this, uh, I went to the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival and uh, met up with the guys from the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, who I highly recommend uh, if you're looking for uh, any number of Lovecraftian tchotchkes. But um, the classic pre-apocalyptic, uh, campaign from that uh, from uh, Call, uh, Call of Cthulhu and Chaos and was Masks of Narlathotep and apparently the HPLHS went back and created this giant box um, filled that. with props um, for the game so there is the, the there is the box this is how thick it is. This that, is, is that is a large box this is $99 worth of worth of stuff in here and I've unpacked some of it, which is this, all these files. And they organize it very nicely. So because the campaign is America, England, Egypt, Kenya, they added a chapter called Peru. There's the uh, Australia chapter and then the final China chapter. And as far as some of their more audacious props, there is a police file that actually shows up sealed. So that to you give it to the players and they actually get to break the seal on it to open it, which I was kind of impressed by. That's uh that's cool. Um, they actually there's a one of the classic things about that campaign, as you attempt to stop the destruction of the world, stop the supernatural apocalypse, was there's a big pile of clues you get at the beginning of the game. One of them was. Uh, a matchbox and there were actually when the game first came out in book form you could tear a page out and you could have this little matchbox that you could fold and glue to an actual matchbox this sort of paper cover yeah. these guys actually provide the matchbox for the stumbling tiger bar and you gotta know it's full of matches oh yeah so, i've uh, i've researched making matchboxes and stuff and yeah, you could you could get them relatively inexpensive, especially if you're producing a lot of them. One of my favorite things they produced for uh, the game was there was a classic handout that for the game came out in the '80s, and every edition came out. There was always one handout, one clue that wasn't printed out. Usually, it would look like newspaper articles, or it would look there'd be like an actual printed you know telegram you could cut out of the book or whatever. Or there, like I said, there'd be uh, little columns of newspaper article that would have clues in it. You you know you could cut out of the book, 
but these guys have actually printed it on newsprint. But the thing that was always hilarious to me was one clue always said photograph of yacht in Shanghai. And then there was no picture. I mean, there wasn't a drawn illustration for 30 years. That, that clue was just, this is a photo. <laughs> Give it to the players. It says, this is a photo of a yacht in Shanghai. And son of a bitch, if they didn't use Photoshop to actually take this yacht and put it in a 1920s Shanghai Harbor and actually do it, it's, they finally created that uh, clue for the game. 30 years after the fact, which is kind of hilarious. Um, but there, this thing actually has scrolls, which if you open it up, have got, you know, Chinese parchment in it. And my favorite thing, a wax cylinder. Now, this is the Edison gold molded records uh, wax cylinder with the patent number on it and good old Edison's photograph. But when you open it up, instead of having a wax cylinder, there's a thumb drive with audio files on it so that all of the recorded clues can actually be played off of your laptop or so so they so they so they couldn't step up and do a real wax cylinder? Doc, they, you, did, they cheaped what, out, man. They yeah, cheaped what, out. What would you play it on? What would you play it on? <laughs> uh there's actually uh, there's a a YouTube channel that I follow and I look at stuff called uh, the guys. He's guys from England. Uh, tech Tech Moan, uh, okay. like like Tech Mo, like uh, like um, T E C H M O A N Tech Moan, and he's like a total audio uh, guy, and he's always mm -hmm. talking about old vintage equipment and stuff. Like it's some if you like electronics, audio recording, like he has some really cool stuff he talks about. Like he'll track stuff down. And review it and take it apart and new stuff. And he did this one show about there was uh, I don't know if you can still get them anymore, but there was like companies that were making these like kind of uh, IKEA style like, and I say IKEA because it's you know self assembly like from Japan where you could put like uh, your own like uh, Victrola uh, wax cylinder recording oh, wow. thing together. Yeah, and. Uh, wow. The one that he found was, you know, like, like they gave you like plastic cups to record and stuff. But I think there's actually stuff out there like these put put them together kind of things where you know, inexpensive. You put together, make your own little uh, Victrola wax cylinder player because wax cylinders are out. So um, you could get them. I don't know what the cost is, but you could get them. You know, and you could get wax cylinders. So. Um, if the HBO Lovecraft Historical Society is ever looking, you guys suck. You need to step up your game. Get some real wax cylinders in there. No. Oh wow! I'm, I am not telling Andrew that. No, <laughs> oh, no, he'll stab. No. He'll Andrew will stab me. Yeah. <laughs> While well, Sean holds me down. <laughs> not when they uh, they they sent uh, they have a a gree gree that they have included in one of their uh, audio recordings for the uh, audio shows that actually has a a piece of snakeskin inside the gree gree now it's not real snake skin but i will point out these crazy bastards went and found a place that produces fake snake skin so they can put it in the in inside the voodoo charm with the blood smeared on the back of it that's that's pretty impressive no that's no they, they they do a real good job it's no i, I kid because yeah nobody's gonna even if you could buy a replica 
wax cylinder player. Nobody's going to buy one. But it would be so cool if they did put on wax cylinder. <laughs> these are the crazy guys who, during a live-action role-playing game, which they used to make these kind of props for, took a bunch of people out to like the Los Angeles airport, put them in a helicopter, and flew them out over some section of a public park outside of Los Angeles to start the game. I mean, I mean, it was three hundred dollars a ticket to get in, be in the game, but it eventually involved a helicopter ride into the desert and a bunch of files like that, a bunch of case files like that, showing you know this strange sigil in the desert and. Just, you know, they they literally flew the helicopter over a a shape that they had made in the desert with their team uh, that was like you know twenty yards across that people could see from the air and go, my God, there's some sort of a cult ritual that's that happened down here, and um, yeah, these guys take take their take their gaming very seriously, and um, their products reflect that. They do some wonderful props. Uh, most of the guys from them uh, work in Hollywood making either paper uh, or other kinds of props for, you know, professionally for studios. So oh, yeah, yeah. It, it um, shows. Now, that's off topic. That's oh, yeah. Well, but no, it's, well, masculine, like you said, it's kind of an apocalyptic scenario. Um, here's, okay, speaking of books, more books, I, I came across, I found it a while ago, and... I found a series of books called Waste World. It's four really thin books. You know, they're like maybe 125 pages. There's four of them by an author named James Barton. Now, James Barton is a pseudonym for somebody that we know very well. Not me and you personally, but an author we know. James Lawrence. So... Before James Lawrence did Deathlands, because these came out in 83. Yeah, 83. Pre-Deathlands. So he was writing uh, some apocalyptic books. Now, these were put out by... The company was... Um, shit, I can't see. Um... I think it's Granada. So it was only available in England and New Zealand. So I had a little trouble tracking these down, except online, because you know you couldn't just find you weren't just going to find these in a used bookstore. Uh, so I picked them up. I've read uh, I've read two of them. Uh, I'm reading the uh, third one. Uh, I uh, I just I didn't start it yet, but uh, I read like two pages. Um, so it was interesting because I wanted to see. It was like, well, what was uh, James Lawrence? How was he writing? Before Deathlands, you know, his post-apocalyptic stuff, you know, it's one main character and um, uh, you could definitely see some of his style developing that, that goes into Deathlands in these books. But these books are, again, uh, a series of books that are definitely a product of their time or maybe a product of how somebody in England thinks about the United States. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, a lot of cre it's, there's, it's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of Wahoo in it with mutants, you know, cause there's a global collapse and a war and this guy like was overseas and came back to America through South America and the you know, America's collapsed. And, you know, there's this rain that makes mute, like this radioactive rain that comes down and it makes mutants and, um, what, you mean like instant mutants, like, uh, like, 
not, you get rain on you and you just start growing arms and legs and shit? And... Uh, not that bad, but yeah, there's a lot of mutants. Um, it's, I don't know, it's it's not not his best, um, again, but knowing where it came from, um, but in just, just a lot of the tone of it, you know, if we want to put it into a PC world, um, mm -hmm. wouldn't fly, you know, yeah. now, nowadays wouldn't fly, you know. Um, but again, it's a product of its time. It doesn't bother me because well, I, you know, when you said it's made back in the eighties, somebody pointed out to me quite horrifically that in two years, the nineties are going to be 30 years ago. And I could have sworn, up. I could have sworn to God. I remember that 30 years ago was the seventies, but it's not. So, you know, the eighties is a whole life person's lifetime ago for crying out loud, you know? Uh, yeah. When I was in high school. When you were in high school, these books came out. Yeah, yeah, that's almost you. You can cram two extra generations in there between now and then. Yeah, you know, uh, that is a lot of time and a lot of change. Yeah, but it was interesting to find. I mean, um, I didn't pay outrageous prices, but they were more than I would like to pay because it's one of those like, well, I got to get it. I got to, I got to be the weird, obscure po post-apocalyptic guy, so I got to get these books, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, I tracked down another series of books when I discovered we announced. Um, Earlier in the year, in uh, February or March, that Victor Milan passed away, and Victor Milan was an author, and some of the books that he did were the Guardian series under the pseudonym Richard Austin. That's the only uh, one I remember. But he also did a second series um, under the under the pseudonym Robert Barron called Stormrider. Um, you know. Um, Stormrider, let's see. He was born free on the desolate frontier of a post-nuclear land, but a lethal force of armored troops murdered his free-spirited parents, imprisoned him in a, in a city school, tied, <clears throat> tried to shatter his hard-won hard vision of freedom. They failed. Stormrider. You know, so... <laughs> so it sounds like what Billy Jack goes post-apocalyptic or something. I I think so. Um, Excellent. I I can only hope he kung fu's and motorcycles uh, these dirty fascists left, right, and center. That's going to be great. Uh, big machines, bad country. For these road warriors, it's still the home of the brave. <laughs> I'm that that makes me so happy. <laughs> Again, I mean, they're not they're not holding no if you're gonna be ridiculous go all in do not hold anything back that's you know that's well, the rule like the old saying um if you're gonna go over the top you go all the way yeah um so i've only been able to get there's only three of these books i've only been able to get two of them uh mm -hmm. because again they're hard to find in bookstores when I do encounter them, I only find the first or second one. For some reason, the third book is really hard to get. To get now, I have seen some online, but uh, eBay sellers thinks that King Midas came by and touched it. So, <laughs> yeah, I am not paying twenty-eight to thirty-five dollars for a dollar nine for a. Um, how much did this cost? Oh, four fifty paperback. Not going to happen. So I will keep on watching, and maybe six months to a year from now, I will find a copy. Um, 
So that's why I've been like, that's why I've been doing lately. I've been hunting down these obscure, like things I haven't read, you know, like that. And then I also came across, again, some, some website I came across. There's a series by Richard Harding, The Outrider. You know, there's five books in the series. Most of them I got dirt cheap. Some of them I paid a couple bucks for because they were hard to, I just couldn't get them. But uh, yeah, it's another one of those series of um, um, roaring through a world where every highway is a battlefield. The one true warrior, road warrior comes, the outrider. <laughs> Time, the not too distant future. Place, the United States of America. Cities lie in twisted ruins. The earth smolders and burns. Men live in sewers. In this violence-ravaged world, there is just one law left. The law of survival. <laughs> Amid the chaos and the ashes, one man! One man! <laughs> one man refuses to bow down to the self-styled dictator. Thugs who rule the wreckage, one man lives by his own rules. One man rides alone. Bonner, the outrider. <laughs> yeah, he he ain't got nothing on Hell Tanner. That's all I know. <laughs> Although clearly, yeah, that that's that really smells like Hell Tanner to me. You know, with a little Max Rockatansky mixed in just for good measure. Yeah. So this is what I've been I've been tracking down these kind of weirdo. Uh, less known post-apocalyptic, you know, men's adventure series, you know, cause, um, you know, again, I like to try to be the, um, the resource for weird, not mean, not as well known a post-apocalyptic shit, you know? Excellent. Uh, that's, that is most excellent, sir. I am, I am super happy with every one of those, those, uh, splash, you know, back cover descriptions. Those are fantastic. Absolutely. Um, I can't remember if I was, uh, if I had mentioned to you that I ran across a, uh, a series of books called the after blight chronicles. Um, it sounds familiar, but please expand. And, well, um, got them sitting on the bookshelf over there after blights, uh, looks like it's made out. It comes out of England. Um, it looks like some of it may have also been sort of, um, uh, uh maybe I've mentioned on the show before, but um, it's the most obscure thing that I've run across recently because it was sort of uh, post-apocalyptic, but some of them were sort of um, felt like they were geared towards young adults. Um, the uh, particularly the one that was set. There's one that was set in a in a British public school. One of those like they call it a public school, but it's really a private school. I don't understand why the British do that. But it was sort of a the disease comes along, wipes out whatever percentage of the population, and uh, there's these kids left behind in the school, and somehow it goes, you know, it goes very Lord of the Flies very quickly. Um, uh, but um, the first, some of them were pretty good, but the, it's weird. The 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 whatever this uh, series, whatever their their origins. I'm gonna detach my computer here from the. Uh, energy source to actually get up and walk over to the. Uh, you you detach it from your uh, hydro cell, uh, yeah. hydrogen cells, hydrogen cells, yeah, and pull these out of the uh, bookshelf. Um, Operation Motherland here, for instance, 
these were made by something called Abaddon, Abaddon Books. Uh, Schools Out was the uh, the very first one that I uh, ran across with our British schoolboy with his, I guess that's supposed to be an M1 carbine or something. Um, they, the quality is all over the place. I mean, it's weird. The quality is just all over the place on these. Some of them were really interesting, um, like Schools Out, like Operation, Ho like Operation uh, Motherland. Um, there were some others that were just, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, modestly weird, like um, uh, the cult. But at some point, I, I kind of I got put off the series because they just did a couple of they did a couple of uh, books that were clearly based off of I don't know, sort of the Robin Hood myth, set hmm. in a post-apocalyptic setting, and were just just terrible. Um, for the most part, they did a pretty good job with these. And then they had this, then suddenly there was this weird drop in the quality um, where it's the kind of post-apocalyptic writing where the bad guys or any character whatsoever is defined by only one factor. And that's what weapon do they carry? I mean, they have, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it, it, it just... It just completely went weird, and suddenly, uh, you know, it's like people only had, they were only, their exterior costume they were wearing and what weapons they had. And that just got really, really weird. So, um, so they were kind of one-dimensional? Uh, worse. Um, <laughs> and, and some of the books, some of the books were, had this, you know, sort of subplot going on uh, about how, um, somewhere out there in a kind of, you know, were these, um, somewhere out there in the world were these, uh, bunkers full of people who had survived, uh, the, the, uh, the plague sort of, um, who in a very, um, night of the comet kind of way were, uh, were, um, sending out various forces in the story turned out to be connected to these high-end bunkers that, you know, high military and civilian and uh, corporate leaders are all down in, um, who have somehow not quite had what it takes to survive the plague being naturally immune, but are staving off the end by uh, sort of uh, doing exactly what they did in Night of the Comet, you know, uh, rounding people up, sucking their blood out, and doing blood transfusions uh, to sort of have temporary immunity, temporary white cell immunity based on uh, other people's immunity and a kind of vampire-like existence. And that was a cool little subplot that went on that they, multiple books in the series hinted at, and then it just disappeared. It was just, you know, it, it felt like they're moving towards some sort of uh, uh, final resolution where there are stories set in America, stories set in Australia, stories set in Canada or England, and they're all going to somehow come together and settle this, this over overarching story plot. And it never happened. Um, I can't really recommend them. I mean, if you want to be a completist and you want to go out there and uh, read some uh, uh, very recent, like 2000s post-apocalypse, 
you know, knock yourselves out. The stuff's out there. Well, it's it's so hard to be a completist nowadays because in the last 10 to 15 years, so much, you know, has been put out, especially with the whole zombie craze. Oh, oh yeah. If you're trying yeah. to get every zombie apocalypse novel. Be, be, because it's just, it's not like, you know, in this day of self-publishing, it's impossible because every Tom, Dick, and Harry can write something and just self-publish it on as, as a Kindle book or this or that. So there's so much out there. And well, unfortunately... Even print on demand via certain Amazon fulfillment services, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's impossible to be a completist, and the, and the thing is, you know what? You, you kind of also don't want to be a completist at this day and age either, because so much of it out there is just it, the quality is not good. I'm not I'm not saying that the quality of a lot of these old ones was great either. It, it went past an editor, is what I'm saying. I mean, even yeah, these, that's even true. These, even these Abadan books went through a, uh, uh, an editing process because they were going to put it on paper. And that's a monumental expense and print out ever many copies of it. When it's self-published, you know. Uh, yeah, there's the no, yeah, there's no editing. And then, or, oh, I had somebody look at it, but having your buddies look at it isn't necessarily, <laughs> you know, editing. You need to have an impartial eye on it because like listen this doesn't make any sense or that's really bad you need to change that you know you need somebody to critique it you know ruthlessly as you well know you know from writing that you need you need an edit you need somebody to look at it you have edited and been edited so you understand the process i've cried <clears throat> i've cried when i've had to lose things that i loved but it needed to go um and that's all there is to it um so yeah, it, it, it's it's impossible to be a a completist these days, but uh, that doesn't mean that I still don't pick up the occasional thing. I I don't think that I ever brought up the the uh, After Blight Chronicles uh, before, but who knows? Uh, somebody somebody who knows our podcast better than us, and there's a couple of you out there can undoubtedly correct me and tell me that I've I've entered, entered the stage of senility. Where I begin repeating myself. Oh no! So many people have quoted. Whoa! When you said that, I'm like, I, and I've been. I were probably. Dude, we recorded that like four years ago. I have no idea what I said, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, we weren't even sure what we said back then, much less four years later. Much less, much, much less what we recorded the last show, you know? Did we oh, do a show have, before? Have we Have we been off topic? Are we off topic enough? How are we doing? Uh, we, I think we should. Again, I, I, the purpose, I th again, of this format is to, as we gather different bits of information we just spend some time talking about this stuff. You know, um, it's just, you know, instead of having a one main topic, like let's talk about this book or this movie, it's like, hey, I've been reading this or I've been looking at that or, hey, did you did you see this? Just kind of an inf info general talks, you know, which I think is you know, pretty good, you know, cause instead of us, you know, because a lot of times we'll sometimes we'll spend 20, 30 minutes talking about that stuff in the beginning of a show, not to saying that we're not going to, but if we try to be conscious about it, we might, you know, save up stuff and then drop another off topic in and talk about all this kind of various little tidbits and, and stuff like that, you know, like, cause you know, I want to wrap us up cause I don't want to take us too long, but yeah. um, we'll probably talk about it more next off topic show is uh, cause now that there's more information out about the upcoming fallout 76 game. So yeah, I'm seeing a lot more about that. And uh, apparently the Fallout people had this big sort of beta rollout that they showed a bunch of, they actually invited a bunch of YouTube uh, and 
other reviewers, people who have a certain amount of following online or through other, uh, other, you know, uh, resource, uh, other outlets to go out to the Greenbrier Hotel. They rolled it out at the Greenbrier Hotel in, in West Virginia, which is where the old congressional bunker was that you can take tours of. And so that's huh. where they got, that's where they had people play the game to test out this one, you know, the really, they got like three hours of game time. And uh, apparently the Green Buyer is a location you can get to in Fallout 76. Huh. Yeah, because my understanding of the game, it's it's on, online multiplayer, and a lot of people are bitching. Well, I guess we'll talk about it for a minute. People yeah. are bitching about it because, you know, it doesn't have the single-player story, you know. Um, but, you know, I would rather them create a, a, a dedicated multiplayer game then try to cram a multiplayer into the single player story game. Cause mm -hmm. I noticed that a, a other video games they play suffer that like battlefield, like here's our single player experience and we have the multiplayer, which is good, but they focus most of their energy on the multiplayer. And then the single player story suffers, you know, that game suffers. So I'd rather them keep on making the single into single, single player stories individually. And if they want to make a multiplayer game, make the multiplayer game. Spend all the time on the multiplayer game, you know, but then go back to doing the single player game. <coughs> that way they're not developing both at the same time and then one suffers, you know. There may be some sort of single player solo, not online option for Fallout 76. Huh. Um, one of the reviewers I was listening to was mentioning that, but then I had to jump up and uh, do something else and I didn't get to finish the rest of his review. But he began talking about that there's a solo option. So. Um, old tired grognards like us that don't want to get our 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 vault dweller teabagged by a bunch of thirteen year olds who are back shooting us at our spawn point and then you know calling us a homo, which is my experience of every online multiplayer. Oh, I, I get I get it, but I, I do multiplayer. Like I used to do it a lot, and I wasn't the greatest by any means. Don't get me wrong. I got I got my ass handed to me a lot. But you know, I also I also dealt it out when I was on. I was on. I, I would deal it out pretty damn good too. Um, but I was usually, you know, I'm, you know, I'm in the lower section. You know, I'm not like uh, I'm not like again a 13 year old who could play it nonstop all the time. Um, yeah. But you know, but God I damn, but but God the idea. Goddamn marriage. I know, but the idea of like having a multi because I think it's like it's a multiplayer and you have your little bases and you're trying to unlock the keys to get the nukes to be able to nuke the neighbors and that it sounds interesting. You know, I need to dig into it a little bit more. You know, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, the idea sounds interesting. So there you go. We talked about Fallout seventy six. So right, maybe we'll know more by the next time this thing rolls around. Yeah. So all right, again, folks, that's that. That'll be it. You know, that's a lot of we shared a lot of different miscellaneous stuff and. Uh, and we'll do it again. And like I said, as we gather gather stuff, we'll throw one in and have a, just a show about different bits of information um, uh, at one time. There you go. Any thought? Any thoughts for next time? Uh, well, I don't want to do another movie because we just we've just we've done a bunch. You know, last couple yeah. we've done movies. You know. Um, oh, by the way, I watched Mandy. Oh, well, uh, I have not gotten there yet, but I understand that it's metal as fuck. Yeah, but it wasn't as it wasn't wasn't as good as everybody was making it out to be. 
In fact, it's heavy metal as fuck on the grounds that there's certain sequences in it that I understand were just absolutely lifted from the movie Heavy Metal. There were homages to Heavy Metal. Uh, the animation sequences? Yeah, they had they, yeah they had a bunch of animation sequences which kind of took me out of the movie a bit. Mm -hmm. It didn't kind of flow. But like I said, the two things that were really cool about it, well, there's three. The weapon that he made, which was inspired by the F from the logo of Celtic Frost, the black metal band from the 80s. <laughs> um, the Cheddar Goblin. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, there, was a, there was a chainsaw fight, so that was pretty cool, too. Um, but it, everybody, it didn't meet up to the hype. Everybody was like, oh, I'm like, I didn't hate it. But it's like, yeah. we should right. we should we should definitely take a moment to, if we don't review movies, at least point out all the post-apocalypse movies that are currently available on Netflix or some of these services. Yeah. So that so that because there's a shit ton, I've actually been finding uh, when I started digging down, I ran across quite a few little post-apocalyptic films and not so little that are available right now. Uh, for your entertainment. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit out there, but uh, but I don't know. Next time, I don't know. Uh, I'm still thinking about. I want to go to. Uh, I want to go back to Gamma World. I think. I think I want to. Maybe we'll. Um, I don't know if I want to just. Do oh. a whole... Yes, you mentioned just digging down into one one old time scenario, one old. Um... Yeah, one of the one of the modules. I'm thinking maybe instead of just digging into the rule set, let's talk about the modules. Like maybe Legion of Gold. Which was a you know a sandbox you know a type of module, which was the only one which was really a sandbox. Uh, everything else was either a lot of them were dungeon uh, crawl, uh, coming of age ones, you know, which was kind of like a, a start, you know, with famine in Fargo, um, the cleansing wars of Giddick Blackhand, or the Mind Masters. Those are all kind of like here you're just starting out, so no more sandboxes. So it's interesting. So, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll probably dig down to one of those game world modules. I'll, I'll we'll make a decision, then we'll kind of refresh our memories on it, and we'll uh, we'll dig into I'm it. Of, I'm all in favor of that plan. Okay, that's it for us, right? That's it, folks. All right, so there we are. We are off topic um, as much as we are always off topic anyway. So there you go. All right, well, we hope you uh, folks enjoyed this uh, first episode of Off Topic. We hope it. Uh, Met all your expectations, and uh, if it didn't, then well, you got to lower your expectations. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Yeah, and if it and if it didn't meet your expectations, then to hell with you, as Conan said. Well, the, the hell with you. So, yeah. all right, folks. So that's it. We will uh, see you next time, and uh, we'll uh, well, well, as usual, um, if you watch it on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. I could care less about people subscribing to the YouTube channel. I just really use it to get the audio so we can post it on the blog. But if you want to follow us on YouTube, by all means, please do. Subscribe. Uh, there's a subscribe button somewhere. Follow the blog, podcast at groundzero.com. Uh, you know, that's where everything gets posted. Um, and there's a, on the right, there is a sign up for our email anytime the post is made. You'll get an email that there's a post, and you can go check it out. So follow us there. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on all the social media. You know, the more the merrier. We always appreciate it. So that's it, folks. Uh, and as usual, uh, thanks for uh, being with us, and we will see you in the wastelands.